This is Farm Next, and I am your host, Sarah Beth Aubrey, the author of Who's Running Your Farm Next, Five Steps to Develop and Coach Your Next Generation, and the founder of Elevate Ag, the Peer Innovation Network. This is the podcast where we talk about, in agriculture, what we don't often want to talk about in agriculture, the people side of the business, the challenges, the joys, and the rewards of working with family and those around us in our communities in agriculture. But we're here to talk about how to make your future successful and how to have the creative conversations that get the job done to get us to the next generation. So now, let's start the conversation. Hello there, and welcome back to the Farm Next podcast. I am your host, Sarah Beth Aubrey. I am the author of the brand new book that debuted number one on Amazon in the knowledge capital and the agriculture categories. And that book is called Who's Running Your Farm Next? Five Steps to Develop and Coach Your Next Generation. And here back on the podcast, we're into December 2019, and we are now on episode number eight of the podcast. I know it's like just a handful of episodes, but as I start to look at my podcast dashboard, it's like there's getting to be this tiny little critical mass of content there, which is making me very excited. So there's enough that I could get a binge listener out there that might want to just have to spend hours listening to my content, um, and I encourage you to do it. And if you have some opportunities to share your feedback and reviews, I would love that because we are putting these podcasts out there for a reason. It's not just because I like doing them, which I do. This is pretty fun in my hoodie, in my really warm, comfortable office, on a nice afternoon, glass of hot tea here. Um, It's pretty fun to do the podcasts, and I enjoy the chance to really take um, some time and think through the messages and the content and why it's important and get it out there. But we also were doing these as a business for the opportunity to share important information, get important dialogue happening in a one-to-many format. You know, I've been a consultant in agriculture for almost 20 years. I've worked for myself for 16 as of January. And I've always done a very a, a small model of that one, one-on-one, whether I'm working with a, a small group, leading a board or a work team or a large farm, you know, family operation through change, uh, doing workshops, um, you know, breakout sessions, speaking at the front of the room in a keynote, sales training. That's a lot of stuff that I, I love to do. I love training. I love educating. But there's only a handful of people that can take advantage of that information in that time. And so in 2018, I made the decision that I wanted to shift my business to include those things, but also to include different levels of opportunities and and information dissemination tools to get what I believe is an important discussion, which is around developing and coaching the next generation of leaders in agriculture out to as many in the industry at all sizes and all price points as possible. So this podcast that I finally got started back in the fall of 2019 has been one of the ways that I've been able to do this. We also have a free Facebook live training that happens on Thursdays. And now here in December, we're going to be taking a little time off of that, of the lives. 
We'll have some podcasts for you to, so you can still hear that bank. But I'm going to take a couple weeks off of the live shows, regroup, and come up with a new set of content for that that will kick off in last December. You know, December is weird this year because it's kind of got like Christmas is in the middle of the week and the New Year's is in the middle of the week. So that just kind of really jacks stuff up as far as people's planning. I know it does. Um, and it does for things like this too because our trainings in – on Facebook live or Thursdays. So I made the decision um, here for the rest of December, we're not going to have the lives, but we'll have these podcasts uh, so you can take advantage of the content. And then I'm really going to be looking at the training series. I like to do things in a progressive order. So we'll relook at what those ought to be for January, February, March, kind of that first quarter, what, what makes most sense then. And we'll definitely be kicking off those trainings to take advantage of that free training. You need to go to the farm next Facebook group. So currently I had done those trainings on my personal page, Sarah Beth Aubrey. They're still there, but the recordings and the saved training units are only going to be saved over in Farm Next. So join us at the Farm Next Facebook group. We will be having free trainings, a lot of modules there, and then our programs. Remember I just said I was getting ready to launch a more one-to-many with many different price points options are going to come under my company Elevate Ag and we're going to make you some offers there for some digital, remote, in-person, all the varieties of programming around this topic that you can take advantage of on a subscription basis or at a um, at a class. So you kind of decide and we'll be sharing that in Farm Next. So today though we are concluding what I started in October, which is the very first series that I'm covering in the podcast. So today is the sixth and final installation of this series. The series has been called The Six Fundamental Shifts in Agriculture. And I have been talking with you about how these affect us all. So just kind of a quick recap, fundamental shifts are those things that are foundational. They are truly a, we were here, now we're here. You know, there's a, there's a break in the middle. There's a river between them. Something was and now it isn't. It, it was this and now it's this. And that's how a fundamental shift works. So when I started to put together my book, I realized that I wanted to start with a place of why. So that when people read that, I mean, I have a lot of tips and ideas for you in there about getting this next generation, whatever age that is. For you, that next generation may be 40 or there might be 20. It doesn't matter. It's transferring leadership consciously transferring knowledge and setting a business up that's a modern new business in a completely new era. And that takes a that takes effort and it takes concentrated specific effort that's measured and, and done on, on a regular basis. And in the industry, I found that we have not always done the best of that and I wanted to address it. So when I began thinking about putting a book out to give me that platform, my fundamental, I wanted to think about where to start that. And to just jump in and start, hey, here's some tips, yay raw. Honestly, I started that way. <laughs> and my publisher, Niche Pressworks out of um, Indianapolis, she said, Sarah, you've got content, you know your industry, you know what you're doing, but like, why? And I thought, what do you mean, why? This is, this is great stuff, you know, kind of backing up there. And she's like, but there's no position for why this matters and why now. And when someone is ready to make a change, there's a reason. Think about this. Think about the time when you have made a significant change in maybe something that's not your business. You know, your life, you've lost a lot of weight or you've stopped drinking or you quit smoking or you 
um, started really become, you know, really working out or you, you made a, a shift to cook a lot more wholesome meals. I mean, those things are, they can change you and you can be a whole different person because you did make that very significant choice and you put it into play day after day. Well, when you do that, there's always a why, you know, you don't just say, yeah, that sounds fun. Cause some of that stuff's not fun. It's hard. And, but there is a purpose and a why. And so fundamental changes and behavioral change for people is also very hard and changing businesses and changing legacy businesses is just damn near next to impossible. It feels like, but it's not impossible. It's just challenging. So I thought about the fact that these six fundamental shifts and we're on number six today. So if you want the rest of them, go back and listen to my prior five episodes and they'll be there for you. I put these out here to give you possibly a place where you could start with your why, because the fundamental shifts, we don't shake. We don't get a choice. They're external things that happen to us as a business, as an industry, as a globe. But yet we are changed by them and our companies and our futures are affected. So what should we do? Well, we should take a look at how they apply to us. This is something that's very unique to you and to I and to every other person in ag. So today, let's get into the last one. And the last one today, again, it's shift number six today. And it's all about relationships. So it's a relationship shift. That's really a tongue twister. I can't believe I wrote that <laughs> in that order. So we won't say that again. Um, I did navigate it. Not too bad. So here's three more words that all have the same letter L landlord, local, and lender. These are three relationships that I see changing from here on. If you've listened to the podcast and you've listened to the whole shift model that I started with, you will recall that the first thing I started with was that we have a massive transition in leadership happening in the industry. We are truly transitioning one big chunk of a generation out very, very quickly. There, it's simply due to math, age, time. And as that generation retires or otherwise exits the business, stops farming, whatever they do, stops being a leader in the agribusiness space as a supplier and service provider, because in ag, our suppliers are the same as us as far as age. This is changing, but up until now, the leader of an agribusiness, his avatar looked the same as a leader of a large farm. They were two guys. They're 58 and a half years old. There's a lot of others involved in between. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that there aren't many other leaders that look a lot different. I, for example, do not look like that. However, at the top tiers up until now, and that is absolutely changing, that's what they look like. But as so as this generation retires, exits the business, um, and someone else takes the helm, the relationships that have been closely held from the landlords and landowners to the local banks or the local cooperatives where you do business or the local suppliers are absolutely to neighbors. I guess I should add that too, to your local neighborhood and the people that have, have lived near you. That is absolutely changing and it's changing so fast. So here's a couple of thoughts I want to share with you because as these things change and they naturally will, you're not going to prevent that. 
But what you can do in this shift is decide what part of the relationship that exists there needs to be transferred and needs to be transferred sooner rather than later. Let's take a look. So in the case of landlords or landowners, um, we know again, back in shift number one, I spent some time throwing out some facts from our, our friends at USDA about just the amount of land that is owned by people 58 and a half years old, and that there's going to be so many millions and millions of acres transitioned because of this change. So if the average age of a farmer is 58, is the average age of some of those people that they rent ground from 88? And I'm not trying to be snarky. I'm real. Y'all listening know this. You know I'm right. Um, landowners frequently are, are, some are investors, but many have owned ground for generations. They are older. They do not actively farm, perhaps. And we definitely know that that elderly landowner's heir is two or even three generations removed from the land. They have a very different view about agriculture than their, their you know, the older person in their family or than you do. Now, I have found that the person who calls on these landowners is usually the senior person in the business. That makes sense, right? Those people had a longer term relationship. They may they, and probably do know each other personally. They may have lived near one another or down the road, you know, back at some point in their lives. They may have had family connections and maybe still do, even though they might be remote. So to have that person be the one that fosters, maintains the relationship with that absentee landowner, again, it makes a lot of sense. And they probably do a good job of it. Also, you know, I had one guy telling me that it's like, well, my dad does that because he's kind of retired. And the guy, the two landlords, they want to call, call and talk to him because, you know, they're in Florida and they're, they're catching up and they're talking. I don't have time to do that. So thank God he does it for me. I hear what he's saying. And he probably doesn't have time for chewing the fat as much as maybe dad does in that retired situation or maybe the temperament for it. You know, they're, knowing those two guys I'm thinking of, they're two different styles. One is more of a conversational guy and the other one's more of a get or done guy. However, here's where you are going to go wrong. Do not wait until dad is too old or something happens to get that relationship built up with not only that current landowner, but that landowner's heirs. Do you know their names? Do you know where they live? Have you had a conversation with them? These are your clients. If you think about it from a client perspective, and a lot of farmers don't, you know, I've been in the, I grew up on a grain and livestock farm. My family still is involved in farming. My husband and I've got cattle here where we live. So I get ag, but I've been a consultant in the industry professionally for my whole career. So what I'm saying though, is I think of my clients. Farmers don't think of clients. That, that word isn't typically one they use. But if you shift that mindset, you might find that it's pretty valuable. With my clients, I've got to call them. I've got to check on them. I've got to make sure I know if they're retiring or who's the next generation or who are their new senior VPs that they're bringing in. I've got to know these people. And I need to have relationships with them. And I want them to see that I bring value. You're the same if you're a grower. You've really got to make sure you know these clients and you need to know the clients heir apparent or their firms that they work with or the management consulting companies. So do not go too long without transferring this relationship 
And using both generations here is a perfect blend of who has a relationship now and why that's valuable, makes the introduction and transitions the relationship and shows the future. It's a process that you really need to get on your list for 2020. Okay, number two, locals. So that's a local situation is certainly, but let's think about the fact that we already often don't know our neighbors. And yet, as we saw from the shift where I talked about our consumers, quote unquote, perceptions and power, we know that more than ever before, our farming decisions are at risk of being scrutinized by people who don't understand what we're doing or locals, these could be fellow farmers, also could give some resistance to the things we want to do with our land, be it livestock or, you know, today I'm seeing this with energy, renewable energy project expansion. Not everybody likes the change of the landscape. It's a real polarizing topic. Not going to pick a side on this particular podcast, but that is some opposition that you would face. So who's handling the public relations for your business? Who is the face of your brand with your neighbors, community groups, zoning boards? Who's managing the locals, whether these are locals that are in ag or not? So more than likely, once again, I tend to see the senior generation person serve on the bank boards and go to the meetings and make the, and have a lot of those older connections. And I don't mean age older, I mean longstanding, I should say. If you've been in the community a long time, there's also wounds. Now, here's an interesting one. Some people don't like you or they don't like dad or they, they don't like, you know, your uncle or whatever. That's a bummer, but it's also, again, people have issues. So consultants like me have jobs. <laughs> so perhaps that next generation person should begin getting involved to not only heal those wounds, but to give the opportunity for communication and community involvement where the wound doesn't exist for somebody else. You know, build the bridges, expand community support for your operation and those projects that you want to undertake on your farm. When you start changing things, people will notice. And if they're not sure what that's going to mean for them, you could face opposition. So a couple of things around locals are who's handling that? And is it you or is it your son or daughter that needs to do it? Another area around locals is the issue of loyalty or potentially the likely lack of loyalty that your next generation may feel towards suppliers and service professionals if they don't know them. You know, doing business the way granddaddy did doesn't happen now and it, and it can't. It's not the way that we will modern, you know, live in a modern way and run our businesses in a modern way. So, Think about the fact that if you are a supplier, you've got to be getting, and I make this podcast for both farmers and agribusiness, you must get to know the younger generation. And I don't care how much younger they are. If they're just back to the operation, they're 22, but they're not making any buying decisions, you don't want to ignore them. What happens if their dad, who's 45, dies tomorrow and he's in charge and you put no effort into that relationship? There's no loyalty there. You're out of business where you're at least out of that customer for this foreseeable future. So you've got to really think about how to make those connections, bridge those. Loyalty is very important, but it is also likely going to be less of a factor 
with the next generation coming up to take your place if you're the senior generation. So, I mean, I think about things like the cooperative system, you know, a really long-standing, long-held system, but they're going to have to work fairly hard to get their next generation's customers' loyalty. You know, I had a guy tell me once that, um, you know, they, they wanted some, you know, they can get equity in that business. Well, for a lot of older generations, that's great. It makes a lot of sense. They very much value it. But if a younger generation hasn't had that communicated to them, what that means, why that will be useful, why would they see value in it? So perceived value of suppliers and service professionals can be different among generations. So seasoned operators must make sure that they are not just out focusing on their peers. That is a huge, huge mistake. You've got to be working up and down the chain of the individuals, whether they're in charge today or they're coming up. So think, I also encourage growers though, to not take advantage of those local relationships and blow them off if they're younger. So I'll preach on this for a second. You know, your convenience is very much based around a lot of service professionals, suppliers, lenders, etc., who will come to you when you need it. Loyalty is partly what's enabled that. So as you begin to think about, oh, you know, I don't need that, you may have to back up. And I've been seeing a trend in that changing and changing in a different way, changing for things forming like partnerships between suppliers and service professionals that can make sense to help both organizations keep what they need. But building loyalty with the next generation of your farm has never been so important as it is now. So the last piece of the locals and the relationships discussion that I want to add for today, and each of these could be their own podcast, and I might split them out and make them that way or talk with someone that's on this topic, is around lenders. So a lot of innovative growers and ranchers have already outgrown the size of their local bank and may already work with a financial representative that states away and doesn't visit very often. So the question is, if that's the case for you, and you are the leader in the business, does that individual already know you're next in line? Does your young leader have an established line of credit with them? And is that relationship feeling like a partnership or just like a you know ad hoc? It's also a fact that if it hasn't happened already, depending on where you are in the business, your banker may soon be your son or daughter's age, not yours. So local banks are becoming relatively rare. If you still have a quality local bank in your community, consider yourself fortunate, but take a good look at them because the likelihood of your banker being your neighbor is not a certainty that most real most rural areas have today. You know, I, I want to even pull a stat out because I thought this was an article I saved for two years, 2017 Wall Street Journal article. They used federal data and they looked at 1,980 communities that they called rural in the States here. 1,980. 625 of those no longer have a locally owned or a community style bank. That number has gone up more than 50% in 20 years. So banks have moved or merged and we know that which means another issue which I know you're aware of, and that is that bank representatives then, if you've got a great ag banker who understands ag, 
you are so fortunate and you need to go out and find that. But if you don't, and you've got someone who doesn't understand agriculture, they'll rely less on your history, history and reputation and more on the decisions that they have to make with the algorithms and the lending committees and et cetera. So there is going to be potentially less likelihood for your next generation to build the same long-term relationships with key banking advisors. So it's time to get a clear path of succession for how you work with those lenders today and helping that person come on board, understand what they need to do. You cannot overlook the financial training. You know, I was listening to a keynote speech for a women in agribusiness conference a year ago. The woman who was speaking had come up and through a variety of paths, she's now leading an organization, large organization, and she said, what's the most important tip I would give you if you want to get to where I am? Get P&L experience. And, you know, and her path was not one of, of accounting. She had a communications degree. She was great with customers. She got involved with the marketing. She was pretty good out in the field. She could understand products. But when she really got the promotion starting to happen was when she took a parallel kind of sideways move and worked in the accounting department and then was able to then end up to lead a division. And that meant she had to have, you know, budgeting and profit and loss experience. And she struggled during that time. But that particular piece of information was so important that she shared. Growers need to do this, too. So is there some training that you're going to have to give your younger generation around understanding the financials and how to work with your financial professional? They probably don't have that background. And maybe you've never been that good at it either. But that's not good enough going forward. So be sure that you evaluate the level of expertise, training, and just general knowledge and understanding that you possess now in your business so that you can effectively work with those lenders. So there's a lot of silver lining here. And like I said, these three topics around relationships and how they will be very different going forward is big. This is a big wide open topic. And, and I know here with our final shift, I'm kind of dropping like a boom bomb on you. Like, wow, that's so much to work on. And it is, but you know, an opportunity exists for the well positioned to expand, but the best way to capitalize on opportunities is to not only look at them today, but look at them for tomorrow. So prepare those younger generations to be involved in your strategic relationships now. And I think that is probably the very best place to leave this is that get your younger generation involved in your strategic relationships now. Okay, so if you wanna learn more and you're ready to figure out how to do that, message me to learn more about the farm next live class that we're going to have in February 2020. It'll be held in Indianapolis, where I live. We'll be hosting it at a beautiful facility called the Skyline Club. It'll be small. We're going to limit that. It's not a conference. You've got great options for conferences. So do I. I love going to those. This is a workshop. This is a work. This is a workhorse kind of thing. And if you're ready to do that hard work and be part of the, the change that you're ready to make, uh, send me a message. We'll be sending out the information about those events and getting those early signups to you very soon. With that, I wish you a great afternoon and I'll see you on the next episode of Farm Next. 
And one last thing before you go for the day, I want to personally invite you to come on over to the Farm Next Facebook community. Why would you join this? Well, this is a community of those of us in agriculture who are interested in developing and coaching the next generation of leaders. It's where things like this podcast, the live show that I do every Thursday with the free training on a topic, get their house. It's where they live. It's where you can always grab the extra uh, versions of those and where you can take advantage of the conversation and the community. We'll also be making you some really interesting offers in that group to take advantage of programs that may benefit you. And they will be exclusive right there in the group. So come on over, uh, look for Farm Next on Facebook and ask to join. I'll see you there. Thank you.